Welcome to the Rehope Belfast podcast. We're so glad you're taking the time to listen to the message from Sunday. May this message be a blessing to you today. Um, just a reminder, so I was here on the 5th of September and I talked to you a little bit about what I felt like God's heart was for our church here, for Rio Belfast, and I showed you a picture of, of uh, this plant. And, and is it, this is on, right? Yeah, okay, so there's a sense of new beginning, new life, new start here in this place, a, a place full of life and growth, and just very excited about what God is, is doing here in, in this church, in this era, and this, this new beginning. So I really, again, have been praying for you and, and been excited about what God's doing here. I believe that God has chosen to give Rehope Belfast a new beginning. That he gave us this new beginning this autumn, and he's given us a new beginning coming out of some really awful days for planet Earth. And so it's, it's um, pretty special to, to get a sense of what God's wanting to do here with our church. Today I have a word of encouragement for you, uh, a word of hope, but I'm going to tap into my geekiness when it comes to bringing this. I love maps. And I love archaeology, and I love pictures, and all this kind of stuff. I asked my wife yesterday, do you love maps? And she's like, I do, but not like you do. Uh, one, of the, one, of those, uh, one of those kind of moments. So I'm going to bring a word of encouragement, a word of hope, but I'm going to set it up with thoughts and a little bit of a chat and thinking about the city of Jerusalem, which might sound weird, but trust me, we are going to get there, and God's got an encouraging word for us this morning. When it comes to Jerusalem, you've heard of it, right? Without a doubt, the Bible makes it clear that Jerusalem is the most precious city, the most important city, the most eternally significant city on the planet when it comes to the Bible and, and what it says about that. Uh, some verses connected to that. Psalm 46 calls Jerusalem the city of God, right? The city of God, the dwelling place of the Most High, Hebrews 12 we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Um, nearly every page of the Bible, we read about how this city, God's eternal city, is unlike any city ever, J Jerusalem. Like in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, we, we read the, about the future. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city... The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Later on, Chapter after chapter, in the same chapter though, reading more about the beauty and the magnificence of this new Jerusalem, we read in verse 22 of chapter 21 of Revelation, I did not see a temple in it, because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, because the glory of the Lord illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. I mean, you, if, you're, if you've even casually looked at the Bible, you understand that the magnificence and the significance of Jerusalem can't be understated. It's quite a big deal in the Bible. It's God's city. It's the city of Jesus. It's the most special and important city according to God and his plans that he has for it. Okay, so you've got the city of David, 
the city of kings in the lineage of Jesus. This is the city that God chose out of all the cities on the earth to place his name. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, we read, but God's saying, but I have chosen Jerusalem, God. I have chosen Jerusalem so that my name will be there. Again, this city is where Jesus was crucified, but on the third day, God rose Jesus from the dead here in Jerusalem. If you haven't gotten there yet in your Bible reading, it's a good moment. It's big celebration. It's also the birthplace of the church, Pentecost Sunday, where the Holy Spirit shows up and, and the church begins right here in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not a perfect city. In fact, so often it's awful. It's like the center of awfulness, and yet it's special. And it has an extraordinary future because God has chosen this city. I mean, again, pretty much everyone on planet Earth, if they know anything outside of their small geographical area, has heard of Jerusalem or knows of, of Jerusalem. But today, I want to talk about uh, Jerusalem before it became all of this goodness. I want to go back into the old, before David uh, set up his, his uh, palace there, before David chose Jerusalem. And I want to ask the question, what was Jerusalem before David? What was Jerusalem before God chose it to place its, his name? And the simple answer is that Jerusalem was shockingly worthless. That Jerusalem was unwanted. That Jerusalem was unimportant. It was abandoned. It was insignificant. It was flawed. Three times flawed. It was highly limited because of water. And it was mostly ignored. Like, we think of it as this magnificent city. But what was it before it was chosen by God? Let me teach you a little bit about this city. And it kind of remind you of its story. So, God's people... They get out of slavery in Egypt, they come into the promised land, and they start capturing different cities. Well, in Judges chapter 1, verse 8, we read this. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem, captured it. They captured it. They put it to the sword and set the city on fire. Not like, not like it's on, the city's on fire. No, it's not, not like that. Like, it, it was the, the bad fire. So anyways, they completely captured Jerusalem, right, as, as, as God's people. But you know what? They didn't find Jerusalem worth keeping. And that's fundamental to understanding old Jerusalem. They didn't find it worth settling in. They, they, so they just abandoned it, and they let the Jebusites live there. That's the people from the land. The, the city was given to the tribe of Benjamin, but Benjamin, the people of Benjamin didn't want it, even though they had captured it. They didn't want it. They found it worthless and insignificant, not worth holding on to. Why? Okay, I'm going to show you uh, some maps because maps are, are fun. First of all, this map, notice that Jerusalem is not part of Judah. It's part of Benjamin. That's what I want you to see. It's part of the land of Benjamin. Jerusalem is not given to David's tribe, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of, of kings in the line of David. It was given to Benjamin, okay? We're just gonna tuck that factoid away. What I really wanna focus on is in this next high-res map by biblical backgrounds. And what I want you to understand on this is Jerusalem is the red dot. Jerusalem, Jerusalem's the red dot on the map there. 
And basically, one of the reasons that it's not considered important or valuable or, or worth inhabiting is because it's not naturally very significant. It's not a great, um, it's not a, a great city, and it's not in a great location at all. It's not in a great location. You can see the yellow road. Uh, the yellow road that goes to Oz. No, that doesn't go to Oz. That, that's just, there's just the yellow road. That is the only north-south road in all of the nation. It goes, it's, it's the only one and it's the most significant. If you do not live on a major road, your city is worthless. You're out in the middle of, of nowhere. So you've got this north-south road and old Jerusalem, the, David's Jerusalem is off of that road. It's not on the road. It grows towards that road. Eventually, it gets to that road. But my, my guess, having walked it several times, I think you're about a 30-minute walk off of the road with no reason to go there, especially if it's a Jebusite city. It's not like you go past Jerusalem and then you get to this great place. You get to the wilderness. There's, there's not roads going over there. Like There's no reason to go to Jerusalem. In fact, you read stories of, 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 of people traveling like in the book of Judges, and they're near Jerusalem, like, hey, let's go over there. It's it's 15 minutes further to get to a real town north or south. It's, it's not worth the 30 minutes uh, going off of location. There, there's no re- I can't overstate how insignificant Jerusalem was based on its location connected to the only main road in this area. In contrast, that purple area up there, that place is a big deal of significance. It's called the Benjamin Plateau. It's the heart of the tribe of Benjamin. The blue roads, the blue roads are where the money and where the, where the, where the trade goods come in and out of the land from east to west. The yellow road is the north-south road. So the, the trade goods go in and out of the blue roads and then they go into the land on the, on the gold road. If you're not in those areas, you, you don't have very much significance in, in, your, in your town or your city. But that plateau, you can see that's where it all comes together. It's this big, flat area with some significant cities. This is where the nation starts to be ruled by from when it starts to come together. It's where Samuel the prophet, he, his three cities that he leads from are all in the Benjamin Plateau. And then after him, King Saul. King Saul is from Gibeah, which is uh, at the bottom here is uh, of the purple plateau where the blue and the gold road comes together. That's where King Saul rules. This is the significant, powerful, beautiful area uh, of the land. So for the, for the years leading up to David, at least 80 years, 90, 100 years, the nation's been ruled first by, from, this, from this plateau. That's the strategic part of the land. Jerusalem, insignificant. Insignificant, wrong place, Nothing great about it. Now, because it was so insignificant, it was rather tiny. Right? Uh, let me show you. Here's a picture of it in David's day, and David made it pretty big, pretty big deal there. Uh, that's the, the right side over here. That's David, or left, your left. Solomon made it bigger, quite a bit bigger, and that was when it was you know known around the world as as kind of a big deal. Queen of Sheba goes here, but Jerusalem. In Solomon's day, and for a couple centuries after, it never grows beyond 5,000 people, which is not many for a city, especially one that's globally famous. It's only, and why is it limited to 5,000 people? Water. There just isn't any, there isn't enough water for more than 5,000 people to live there. Eventually, you get, you know, a couple of centuries later, and they start bringing in water from other places and all that kind of stuff. But 
Solomon makes it its peak at 5,000. It's much smaller before David, but David kind of makes it as a, as a, as a city there. Again, it's not, a, it's not a big deal place. But even though it's insignificant, and that even though the Benjamites didn't find it worth living in, even though it was one of their cities that they basically got for free because it was completely captured for them, the question we want to know is why did David pick it? Why did David make it his capital, especially when his first capital, the city of Hebron, which I don't have any pictures of today, but it was perfect. It was huge. It was powerful. It was strategic. It was everything that you'd want in a capital city. Why did David choose uh, Jerusalem? Okay, back to maps, because maps are awesome. Uh, Back to that high-res map here. David, okay, he realized, oh wait, do I have have more pictures yet? No, let's go back to the the high-res map with the red dot. Yes, that one there. Hebron, is down, down below, to south. And, it's, and David realizes it's too far south to make a capital. And so, uh, and he understood, though, that the nation is being led by, you know, the Benjamin Plateau. But David can't go up there and set up his capital on the plateau because he's not from the tribe of Benjamin. That would start another civil war. His reign already started with a civil war. He's not looking for another war. He's looking for peace. And so even though even though Jerusalem is not great, Jerusalem was the only, uh, was the most north available city that he could take for his own. He couldn't go to the plateau. Um, but because Benjamin had rejected the city, then he could go and capture it and be a little bit of a hero. Like, this city hasn't belonged to Israel. Now it does. But basically, Jerusalem was the, the only place that he could go to without starting a war as, a, as his farthest north potential capital. So he takes this neglected city, this abandoned city, this unwanted city, and he's like, okay, we're going to make a capital about this, about this one. The only thing that Jerusalem has going for it was this. It was available. That's it. It was available. It was available. That's all that Jerusalem had going for it. Now, what people say Jerusalem had going for it is they say, oh, it was an amazing fortress city. Um, Okay, but not... It wasn't that amazing. I mean, it was kind of amazing. It had, it had, you know, you could put the walls down into the bedrock and so you couldn't tunnel underneath it. But as far as, if, if the best thing about Jerusalem is that it's a fortress location, its fortress location was three times embarrassing. Three, there's three aspects of it that were just not great. The, the, first, the first ones of, of these, uh, I, guess, I guess you can see on this, on this picture here, you know, it, it had these slopes, three of the, three of the sides of the city um, sloped down quite significantly. Is there a picture, a picture of that one? Now, next one. Um, next one down, next one, yeah. Okay, so the city, oh, it's, it's not really a great shot here, but the city is up here and you've got these steep slopes that go down into to the valley. The road wasn't there in David's day. Uh, but you got these slopes, slope valleys going down. Its best attribute was probably that it was defensible. But the three flaws are, are this. You have one side that you can attack from easily. Ideally, and all the other capitals have, the, have this as their, their advantage point. Ideally, you want to attack uphill on your approach. 
Like you want the enemy to have to attack uphill. But in, in Jerusalem, the approach is downhill. You're going, you, you, you have that, you, we're coming down to attack the walls. That's, a bit, that's embarrassing when it comes to fort, fortified cities. So that's, that's not great. And then ideally, if you're a fortified city, you want to be on top of the hill like, and have these views out so you can kind of survey the land and see what's going on. Jerusalem is on this little bit that juts out and it's surrounded by bigger hills where, so you can't see very far. You can't see if any help is coming. You can't see really what the enemy's doing unless they're on the hills just very visible around you. It's kind of, it's in a lower bit there. Then, then the other thing is the surrounding hills around Jerusalem, they're too close. And so the enemy can sit up there on those hills and they can see what you're doing. They can see how you're faring behind those walls. Oh, they're moving troops this direction. Oh, they're, 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 they're kind of hungry. And they can, they can assess what's going on in these hills. And the, the hills are too close so you can launch projectiles into the city off the higher hills around. Like, if being a fortress city is your number one attribute, it's kind of embarrassing. The other, the other capitals are going to laugh at this one. Okay, so it, it's, again, it's, it's naturally speaking, Jerusalem is not that great of a city. It's unwanted by Benjamin for good reasons. It's not in the plateau. It's not in a significant location. It is unimportant, naturally speaking. It's been abandoned. It's insignificant. It's majorly flawed as a defensive place. It's highly limited because of water, and it's just rather worthless, naturally speaking. But all of that doesn't matter because of this. It was available, and God chose it. And that changes everything about the story of Jerusalem. It was available, and God, with all of its flaws, with all of its, its awfulnesses, it was available, and God chose it. God chose it as, as the place where he was going to stick his name and his reputation and his presence. Jerusalem was worthless, but because it was chosen by God, it becomes this priceless city that we all know about with an extraordinary future. Because Jerusalem, just, Jerusalem started off as unwanted, but because it was chosen by God, it becomes this precious uh, desire of the nations. People pilgrimage to it all around the world because of its special connection to the God of the Bible. Jerusalem was abandoned, but because it was chosen by God, it becomes supremely important. Jerusalem was highly flawed, but because it was chosen by God, the flaws didn't matter because God was there and because God was with them. Jerusalem was, because it was chosen by God, it becomes the city of the great king, the city of God, the center point of, of history, a place where God's presence dwells, the future of God's uh, reign and rule on planet earth in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, I don't know your, your stories. I, I don't know so many of your stories. Uh, I don't know how your past has been. I don't know when you look back and you see you and you see your story. Um, I don't know much about your present even. Maybe you have been made in your past or in your present to feel worthless. Maybe you've been made to feel unimportant. Maybe you've been made to feel unwanted or highly flawed. People just keep highlighting that. Maybe you've been made to feel abandoned or, or insignificant for, for one way or another. I mean, maybe you look at your life and you think, I can't see that much that's naturally great about me and, 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 and your story. Maybe like Jerusalem even, you've rejected Jesus in your past. Jerusalem rejected Jesus in their past. 
and, and, and maybe like Jerusalem, you've been awful to God in your past and in part of your story. If that's you, I've got fantastic, hope-filled, encouraging news for you. Because just like Jerusalem, if you make yourself available to God, that's what he's asking. Are you available to me? Will you make yourself available to me and willing, willing? God chooses the unwanted, the flawed, the, the mistake makers, and he makes them the precious people of God. Those who say, I am willing, God, I'm willing for you to take me as I am and in my brokenness. I'm available, I am willing, I am here, here I am. When David makes this city his, his, his place and he dedicates it to God, he brings in the Ark of the Covenant, the, the symbol of God's presence uh, here into the city. And when he does that, the city is forever changed. It's marked by being the place where God's presence dwells in, in, in a unique way. And today, I believe God's looking at you and, and asking you again, are you available to me today again? Are you still available? Are you available to me? And Are you willing for me to take your life from here to its next? Are you still willing for me to, uh, to, to lead you forward? And as we continue to give our lives to him, as we continue to let Jesus be the king of our lives, then God's presence comes into our souls and, and we continue to be forever changed. No longer marked by who we were or how we used to be or how we naturally are, but instead by whom we have now become filled with the spirit of God. Uh, everything's different. Because when God chooses a place, everything is different when God chooses a person to make his presence known, to make his power known in and, and through them. The New Testament says it over and over again. You have been chosen by God. You have been chosen by God. You have been chosen by God and, and dearly loved. Being chosen by God makes everything different. Just like it was with Jerusalem. Once you were unworthy. But because the spirit of Jesus has come into your life, you are made most worthy, most precious, most loved. Whatever your flaws, whatever your limits, it doesn't matter at all. But when, because when God moves in, we're changed. When God moves in, the, the value of our lives becomes supernaturally intertwined with heaven forever. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1. He says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Kind of that looking back, old Jerusalem stuff. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. God's chosen you. God's chosen you. Praise Jesus. He's made each of you not just special, not just filled with this spirit, but extraordinary because he's forgiven you. And he's placed his spirit within you. 
whatever we view ourselves naturally as how, how we are, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Being chosen by God, being willing, being available to God changes everything. And I, I just want us to delight in this as a people. God has chosen to bring you here today. It's not a secret, but there's more people from Belfast not here today than who are here today. You're here. You're here, and there's a reason for that. God has brought you here, partly to be reminded that you're chosen, and I believe God has chosen this church for an important role in this city to bring, uh, like that plants at the beginning, to bring new life, a new beginning, new growth, uh, a new future, uh, and, and he's brought you to be a part of it, and praise Jesus for that. The challenge that I have for you today is a truth challenge, and what I want you to do is list three old thoughts that hang over your heart, that need to be challenged in light of God choosing you for salvation. I am insignificant. Uh, my past must mean that my future is hopeless. You know, all, all those kind of like, those, those lies that we believe. I am a broken person and I, you know, I just have no, nothing good about me and all this kind of stuff. Well, we deal with those lies and then I want you to write them down and then I want you to say what God says about you. And it can be said, God chose me and that changes everything. God has placed his spirit in me and that changes everything. What I was doesn't matter. And I want you to write truth after dealing with old Jerusalem versus new Jerusalem you. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna have fun with that. You can, you can do that and uh, change your life. Again, whatever was true about Jerusalem's transformation, how much more is that gonna be true for you? Whatever's true about Jerusalem, how much more true for you? Are you making yourself again today available to God?